Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? John chapter 3, 1 through 19. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you not the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we need you to open our eyes. We are spiritually blind without the Holy Spirit. Would you come and fill this house? Would you speak to us? Would you draw us? And would you help us, not just hear, but respond to what you are saying? We love you. We commit this time to you. Make it protected, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we do the four values of City Church in January. Last week was come as you are. Today is connect with God. Point one is this. The desire to connect. Nicodemus comes alone at night. This is is how people come to Jesus. It's literally night, but for us, it's figuratively. People don't come to Jesus when everything's going good in their life. They, they come in a time of darkness. They come when there's something they can't solve. There's, there's an addiction. There's a fear. There's a financial thing. There's a physical thing. There's something you've come up against you can't do yourself. In, and you've tried to make it better. And you've tried to get other people to better, make it better. And you've manipulated to get it better. And no one can help you. He comes alone. And this is how everybody comes to Jesus. you got to come alone. You got, there is, there is some things that there is no human being that can help you with. The desire to come to connect with God comes from God. 
it turns out sin has broken us way worse than we think. The idea that I'll just choose God, that is not on the table. Sin has broken us, it's blinded us. The Bible says in John 6, no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draw him. We have to be drawn. So the very desire to connect with God is from God. It is evidence that he wants to connect with you. Last week we did Come As You Are and we talked about God's love for us. Song of Songs 8, 7 says, Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it out. Here's the truth. God loves you, and it's apart from your performance. So many waters means many sins, many blasphemies, many hardnesses, many, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, you can't put God's love out. It doesn't work that way. You can't drown out his love for you. He loves you just as you are. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is God's statement over your life. Jesus said it this way. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to me. And he said this, speaking of the way he would die. In his crucifixion, he was lifted up on that cross. And that is God's statement to the human race to draw us. I love you. I love you. And it's not just words. It's not just an empty phrase. I did this while you were, while mankind was doing his worst to God. God was doing his best for mankind. This is how God feels about you. He loves you. And he's calling us. He's drawing us. So I want you to think about the narrative you have made over your own life. Oftentimes, when we go through hard times and difficult times and really dark times, we think it's evidence that God doesn't love us. Clearly, if God loved me, if there was really a God, I wouldn't be going through this. I want to change that narrative. It's exactly the opposite. God is drawing you. God is allowing things because we're very frustrating as human beings. We will go every other option first. <laughs> and then, has it really come to this? We need to pray? Really? Is it that bad? Yep. Nicodemus came at night, and he came alone. And it was because he was being drawn. He was being drawn by heaven. Heaven draws us. And if you feel that deep calling to deep, if you feel that drawing and you're, you're willing to relook at your life and, and consider this different, very different narrative that, oh my, maybe what's happening to me, maybe God isn't mad at me. Maybe God loves me. Maybe God's drawing me to himself. That desire is the beginning of connection with God. Okay, so that's point one. The desire to connect. Here's point two. Isn't this going fast? <laughs> point two, how to connect. So Nicodemus comes. He's the teacher of Israel. He's not just a teacher. He's like the teacher. He's like the big guy. He is teaching. He's a religious teacher. And here's how Jesus greets him. Unless you're born from heaven, you're blind. Jesus, we've got to work on your people skills. Seriously, this is a really important guy. Nicodemus is coming as an equal. You're a rabbi, I'm a rabbi, let's talk together. And Jesus says, you have no understanding of spiritual things. How to win friends and influence people. 
he never read that book. Why is Jesus so insulting to somebody that's so important and so studied? And so why is he so insulting? It is the mercy of God. What will keep you from coming to Jesus will be your own pride in your own way and the way you think it should be and the way that you always thought it would be. And you have to come free. You have to humble yourself completely and say, it doesn't matter how I thought it should be. It's only the way God has made. You have to come to that. You have to recognize spiritual blindness. Here's, here's how difficult the problem is. Spiritual pride is very blinding. Look at, look at John chapter 9. Jesus has healed a man born blind from birth. And so everybody's upset about it and the Pharisees are wondering. And, and Jesus says, this is, this is why I came into the world. That those might who see will, will be blind and those who are blind can see. And the Pharisee says to him, do we have that, John 9? Yeah, some of the Pharisees say, what, are you saying we're blind? And here's, listen to what Jesus said. If you guys would admit you were blind, I could make you see. But because you say you see, I can't touch your sin. Your sin remains. To come into the kingdom of God, to come God's way, Jesus said, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And there's two Greek words for poor. One is those who don't have any extra. They're working for minimum wage, paycheck by paycheck. They're just barely making it. Poor people. And there's another word for poor that is the homeless. They don't have a job. They are absolutely destitute. And that's the word used in Matthew 5.1. We have to come, we, we have nothing to offer to God. And we can't tell God how we think it should be. We have to listen to how God, God there's a way to connect with God, but it's, it's, it's a way God made. So here's, here's the way, here's what he says. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... So the son of man will be lifted up and whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So here's the story. So it's in, it's in Numbers 21 and these snakes or serpents are released because of the sins of the people and these snakes are poisonous and whoever they bite starts dying. And so people are dying everywhere because these snakes are everywhere. They're biting everybody. And the people go to Moses and they say to Moses, Tell God to take away the snakes. So Moses goes to God and says, take away the snakes. And God's reply is, not taking away the snakes. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a snake out of bronze. And I want you to put it on a pole and I want you to lift it up. And then I want you to tell the people to look at the the, the bronze serpent that is on this pole. And I will reverse the effects of poison. That's the story. Weird. I mean, that's just a weird story, isn't it? The Israelites did all of these things and they were completely blind to what they actually meant. It was a foreshadowing of what the gospel would, would be. Because what the human race has been asking for, if I was God, there wouldn't be evil in the world. The innocent people wouldn't suffer. I, if I was God, this world would be good. And, this way, and I don't believe in God because God, there's so much suffering and there's so much evil and there's so much, and we, 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 God should take away all the evil. We've been asking God that. Take away the evil. Here's what we haven't thought about. 
If God's going to remove evil from the world, he has to remove you. Whoa. Okay, maybe let's, let's not be too hasty with my plan of removing all evil. So God said back to the human race, I love you and I'm not going to remove you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to enter into, you've all been bit by something called sin that makes you die. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to come into the world and I am going to become your sin. I am going to be lifted up on a cross and I'm going to take, in my great love, I'm going to take all of the punishment of sin upon myself. And then, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become right with God or become the righteousness of God. That the way we're going to be saved, God's not taking away sin and evil and suffering. He's going to reverse it when we look up. And we are called to live looking up. So this is the verses right before John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son gave him in death for us that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus did not come into this world to condemn the world. Here's why. world is already condemned. You didn't need Jesus to come to be condemned. Our sin condemns us. It, It puts a sentence of death over the human race. Jesus came into this world so that we might be saved. This is God's plan. This is the only plan. In fact, the only sin that causes you to perish is to reject Christ. John 16, 9 says, the Holy Spirit's coming to convict the world of sin in this, that they don't believe in me. That Jesus, we're not condemned for our darkness. We're condemned when we reject the light that comes into our darkness and invites us to come out. The light comes into darkness and men loved the darkness because of their evil deeds. That was the judgment. They chose to stay in darkness. Jesus came looking for them, and people said, no, I don't want to be saved. I want to stay in darkness. God has made a way to connect you and me to him. Now, the problem, of course, with English is believe to us means Give mental assent to the facts. Oh, oh, just believe that. That's what you need to believe. And then I'll be saved. Oh, what do I need to pray? What do I need to believe? All right, I believe that. I'm in. It's not what, the, the, when the Bible says believe, it means something much more intense than that. To believe biblically, I must receive Christ and be born Again, I must receive an identity from heaven. John 1, 11 through 13 says this. He came to his own. His own received him not, but to as many as received him. To them he gave the power to become the children of God. Not born of man, not born by man's choice, but born of God. To be saved, you and I must be born from heaven. Now, the church 
has made a, a, a mess of this, and oftentimes it's very, very unclear to people exactly what needs to happen. It says, those who have been born of water and spirit. So there's a lot of thoughts of what does this mean? What does it mean to be born of water and spirit? There are a couple of options. One would be Jesus is referring to the first birth and the second birth. The first birth, uh, that which is born of flesh, is born in water. The omniatic sac, the water breaks, you're born in water, and you need to be born a second time. That's one option. The one that I'm more partial towards is this. He is speaking specifically to Nicodemus. He's speaking to a Pharisee about his life. What God had said just a few verses earlier through John the Baptist, it's, it's John 1, 33. John says, I came baptizing in water, but one is coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. And man's side of salvation is to repent. God helps us repent. God shows us that we need to repent. But nevertheless, that is our part. Then God does this other part, which only he can do, which makes us alive spiritually. Now, why do I think this? Because it says in Luke 7.30 that the Pharisees, of which Nicodemus is, refused God's purpose for them by not getting baptized by John. They didn't want to humble themselves and repent and come to the water of John. And therefore, if Nicodemus is going to be born again, he's going to have to repent first and come into that water and then God will save him. So here's how it becomes very, very messy. So, so several years ago, I'm in Montevideo, Minnesota. I'm at a church there. And somebody in our congregation, a woman in our congregation, and please forgive me, but I can't remember what her relationship was to this guy. She might have been the daughter, might have been the granddaughter, might have been her knee, I don't know. But she said, somebody in her family is dying in the hospital. Would I go visit him? And she said, he's really lost. I mean, he's really mean. He's, he's, he was in business all his years. He has nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church. He's mean, he's rough, he's got a lot of money, and he's dying now. He's, he's a smoker, and so he's on oxygen, but can't smoke, and so he's miserable as well. And it's just, it's just really sad. Will you go and visit him? I'm like, yeah, I'll go and visit him. His name was Richard. And so I'm like, I, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to this. And so I meet Richard after this huge resume of how horrible he is. And... Uh, and I asked Richard, Richard, do you think that if you died, you'd go to heaven? He's like, no. Nope. I'm like, what would you say if, 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 if you appeared before God and God said, Richard, why should I let you know? He said, I, I, I don't know what I would say. I said, well, I said, Bible, the Bible's a very interesting book. It tells us how somebody gets to heaven. It might be very different than you think, Richard. First, let me start with this. God loves you. God loves you. All the stuff you've done, all the people you've heard, all, God still loves you. Jesus came into this world to die for your sins because he wants to be with you, not just now, but for all eternity. And right now, you, you're, you're at a really, really difficult place, but, but God is knocking, and he wants to save you. He wants you to give your life to him, Richard. Do you want to do that? Yep. So I lead him in a prayer, he gets saved, and I mean he gets good saved. 
He is excited. He wants to talk about Jesus to people. I go back to visit him. He's, he's, he's so excited, and he's, he's like, would you speak at my funeral? I'm like, I'd be honored to speak at your funeral. Well, you need to understand something about that area. Very religious area, very Lutheran. And so he's from Dawson, so he dies, and I have to go do this funeral. I'm not, I'm not doing anything except speaking. Well, the lady pastor who is leading this congregation tells these, these people are gathered, and these people are family members. They're maybe people that he worked with. There are people that are loyal to that church. And Richard was baptized in that church, confirmed in that church, and that was probably the last time he was in that church. But once you're in, you're always in. And so she starts the service by saying, we know Richard is in heaven because he was baptized and, and because he was confirmed. And I'm just, I, I'm like, oh, this isn't good. <laughs> we, we've got a serious conflict going on here. And I feel sorry for these poor people because people are like, if he's in, everybody's in. <laughs> if, 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 he, if he's in, I've got nothing to worry about. And so she does her thing, and then it's time for me to speak. And I'm trying to think of a way to say what I have to say without offending her. Because I'm basically going to contradict everything she just said. And so I'm trying to, you know, like, I love you. I love you people. I love this church. Da, 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 da. Good news and bad news. Richard is in heaven. That is the good news. But he is not there because he got baptized and confirmed. And then I just told the whole story. I told the whole story about him getting saved. And now, honestly, I don't have this huge argument with people, infant baptism versus baptism by immersion. I believe in baptism by immersion, but I'm not gonna have that argument. I won't argue those two. But I will argue infant baptism versus Jesus for salvation. The Savior, guys, is not an event. It's not a prayer you pray. It's not a, I'm good to go because we, we, we did this. We got baptized. We got confirmed. I got dunked in the tank. I know that I'm going to be in. That's the wrong way to think about it. Salvation isn't in an event. It's in a person. Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have a relationship with Jesus you are saved and you will be saved. And if you abandoned that relationship, it doesn't matter what's in your past, but it's cool because it doesn't matter what's in your past if you start that relationship from now on. It's kind of like, like marriage. You're really not married just because you had a wedding and you have a certificate that says you're married. It's an ongoing relationship. You can be technically married and not even be living with your spouse. There's such a thing as a troubled marriage, a difficult marriage. And there's certainly such a thing as troubled Christians and difficult relationship with, with Christians. And it's, it gets a little messy. Point is this. There is a way to be saved that God has made and we need to Repent and receive Jesus to be saved. Okay, point three, almost done. The result of being converted. When you give your life to Christ, it's not just that you have a new set of beliefs. You have a new identity. 
You are born again into a family. Jesus said this, when you pray, pray this way, our father. What is he saying? He's saying, I came to give you my relationship with the father. I'm going to give, I am the only begotten, beloved, favored son, and I am coming to die and be resurrected from the dead so that my relationship with the Father will be yours. You will, by the grace of God, you will be able to say, Father. The first person that Jesus appears to when he rises from the dead is Mary Magdalene. And Mary clings to him, and he, he says this to her. He says, Mary, don't cling to me. I've yet, I haven't ascended yet. Listen to what he says. I haven't ascended yet to my father and your father. Everything I have done was so that my father would be your father. Salvation, guys, is more than forgiveness of sins. It's more than a ticket to heaven. Praise God, it's both of those. It is a new identity where we become the favored, beloved children of God that are growing up into him. Salvation is a new identity. The result of being converted is a new identity. Secondly, it is a new sound. John says, those born of the spirit are like the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can hear its sound. You know the wind is blowing. It's real, not because you could see it. There's the wind. Nope, you can hear it. You can hear it blowing. We believe in wind, even though we can't see it, because we can hear its sound. Those born of the Spirit, you will know it because they're going to make a different sound. It'll still be the same person, same personality, same quirks, but they're going to make a different sound. Pastor Tom, what on earth does that mean? What, what does that sound like? What do, what do people that have been born again sound like? And why does that sound different? Here's what they sound like. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with a heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness or right standing with God. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. The sound of somebody born of the Spirit is more and more they will, be, they will talk less about themselves and more about Jesus. They, instead of being the hero of their own stories, more and more, <laughs> takes a while, Jesus becomes the hero of their stories. Their, their talk, everything that comes out of them starts pointing people instead of to me, 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 and look at me and watch me to Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now, this is, this is a little at a time, but when you're a real believer, this is what it will sound like without you forcing it. The Bible says in, in Matthew 12 that a man speaks out of the abundance that is in his heart, that you will be found out by what you speak. Now, you could fake it for a while. Men are really good at faking it, especially when they want to get a woman. Well, I can only be with a Christian. Okay, how do I become a Christian? Pray the prayer. All right, I'll pray the prayer. All right. Women, you need to be vigilant. Men will say anything when they want something. 
And you could fake it for a while. You could fake it, you can appear for a while, but eventually your words will find you out. If you are truly born again, you will sound, your life, your, your, your sound will be more and more Jesus and less and less you. What else does it sound like? If somebody's truly born again, what is it going to sound like? Oh, uh, you're going to be more loving. You're going to be more forgiving. You're going to sound more forgiving. You're going to be less hateful and revengeful and seeking revenge on other people and gossipy about other people. And you're going to be filled with this mercy and you're going to have this love and it's going to come through in your words. What else is it going to sound like? You're going to be less fearful. You're going to be less intimidated. You're going to be filled with more trust with more of what God is doing, there's going to be less despair, less depression. You're going to speak words of hope. There's, oh, God, God can always change a situation. You're never without hope when you are with Jesus. And your words will reveal that. You will, you will sound different than the rest of the human race. And people will wonder why. Just like Nicodemus came and said, what on earth is going on with you, girl? I got to know. I got to know. Their desire brings them to people that they know are different. All of a sudden, you don't tell dirty jokes the way you used to tell dirty jokes. All of a sudden, you don't swear as much as you used to. (laughs) I've been around believers. I know swear words pop out once in a while. We're in process, aren't we? Our words are becoming better. Now, question is this. If you are on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence out there to convict you? Are there enough witnesses out there that would be able to come and testify, oh yeah, they're the real deal? I mean, there's gonna be plenty of witnesses that say, hypocrite. But are there enough witnesses out there that say, yeah, they might, they're not perfect, but they are definitely different. They are definitely changed. I've seen it. Now, I ask that question, not to make you feel bad, but you got to deal with the truth to, 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 to connect with God. So it, it, if, if your answer is, I'm not sure, the, jury, the jury's still out on me, then one of two things is true. Okay, one, and you need to consider this possibility that you never got born again. You're just religious. Nicodemus was very religious. He was very devoted to God. He, he structured his life around God. He just wasn't born again. It's not enough to be religious. It's not enough to go to church. You must be born again. And so, that, that is a possibility, the possibility that you never, you've never gotten saved. And maybe you're here today and you are in a very dark time and you're all alone and nobody can help you and you're like, oh my, I think God brought me into this service so that I can be born again. Here's what I would say to that. That's exactly why you are in this service and you'll have a chance to do that. But there's a second very real possibility and that is that you are born again You are saved, but you are like a fish out of water. See, the new identity demands a culture to grow. That culture is filled with worship and prayer and the, the word and it, it's filled with obedience. It is a, there is a kingdom 
culture that you thrive in. And even that you can be genuinely born again, you came to a service, you really did give your heart to God, and you really were sincere, but you went right back to this culture of the world of dog-eat-dog and, and, and just doing your own thing and seeking pleasure and you know, trying to... And, and, and so you've got a conflict going on. You are like a fish out of water. Now, I, I've looked into fish out of water a little and it's interesting, depending on the species of fish, fish will die out of water anywhere from 10 minutes to two months. Two months. So you can live out of water in, no, you can survive out of water for a little while, but you are dying. You are slowly dying. And maybe tonight, or this morning, you are, you are the fish out of water water. You are slowly dying. And there's no sense in saying this could never happen. If you're a real Christian, this could never happen. It does happen. Jesus, who sees absolutely perfectly, says to the church at Sardis, you guys have a reputation that you're alive, but you're dead. You need to wake up or I'm going to end up coming like a thief in the night, which is an, an image of judgment. You, your deeds are not done. It's not enough that something happened in your past or that you were spiritual in your past or that you love God in your past. Wake up. Wake up to this relationship right now. Now here is the amazing thing about these fish that are on the bank. They've, they've got a nature that demands water, but they're living in a different culture and, and they're slowly dying. Here is the amazing thing about it. You know how they live again? You just throw them back in. You just throw them back in and all of a sudden they come back to life and all of a sudden they're good to go. And all of a sudden, God, sometimes you just got to acknowledge, oh my, I'm living in the wrong atmosphere. I need to get thrown back in. Make an atmosphere for your new nature. Best kept secret around here is Tuesday night prayer. Tuesday night prayer is better than Sundays. We just get together, we're in God's presence together. We're cultivating, we're becoming at home in the presence of God. Get worship music on at your home. Read your Bible every day. Watch The Chosen for crying out loud. It's amazing. Let's get, let's, let's thrive. Let's stop surviving and trying to find, let's thrive. Here's why. There's a whole world that needs to see us different. They need to see the beauty of God. They need to hear a different sound. When we sound just like the world, it, it confuses the world. All right. So maybe you're here today and you are in that first group. You are not sure that you've ever been born again. But God is drawing you. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks. That knock is him drawing you. That, that knock is not you being born again. That is him drawing you. The second part is you being born again. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens their door and says, come in, I will come in to them. This is why he came, is to save you. He will wash away your sins. He will give you his life. He will adopt you into his family. But you have to open your own door. We have every head bowed, every eye closed, because you have to come alone. No one can do this for you. If that is you, you want to open the door today.
Would you just raise your hand real high right now, long enough for me to see it? See that hand, that hand, and that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. I'm all over right now. I see that hand in the back of the balcony over there. I see this hand up front. Hands, hands are up all over the place. Would you guys, if you raised your hand, would you mind just putting your hand on your heart right now? Praying something like this in your own words. Jesus, I want to thank you for loving me so much that you died for me on the cross. Lord, I, right now, I am opening my door and I'm asking you to come in and save me, adopt me, and give me your identity. Give me my new identity in you. I repent of my sins and I accept your grace, your generosity towards my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We're almost done. Has anybody ever had a pan that you are sure you have ruined? You cook something, maybe it was your wife's favorite pan, and then the smoke alarm went off, and then you came and you're just horrified, and you can't, you can't get the stuff off the pan. And sometimes... I'm not saying who would ever do this, but sometimes you use steel wool to get it off. <laughs> and you are, you are trying to get it off, and you become convinced that this pan is ruined. Well, there is a secret to even the worst things that are crusted onto your pans. It is called soaking. You put that pan in hot water with soap, and then don't do anything for a day. And you come back, you don't even need the steel wall. You just take a regular scratcher, and all of a sudden, that which was impossible becomes possible. What happens with Christians is oftentimes, it's in Galatians, we start out by the Spirit. We start out with God, and it's God, and then we take over with willpower. And we get into the flesh, and we're going to do this thing for Jesus in our own strength and in our own power. And you find out that you, you've got things in your life that no matter how hard you scratch them, I can't get them out, I can't get them out, I can't get them out. And then it's easy to conclude, I must not be a Christian. If I was a real Christian, I'd be able to get this out. No, you are a real Christian. You're just trying to do it in your own power. What you need to do is soak. What you need to do, instead of trying to make your life better, get that thing out, you need to soak. You need to get into his presence. You need to build a culture of Jesus around you. And then he's going to say, now try it. And you're going to go ahead and go, oh, a miracle. And people are going to say, you are so beautiful. You, how did you do that? And you're going to be quick to say, oh, it wasn't me. Trust me. I tried. I did, I did the religion thing and didn't get it out. Then I soaked in Jesus. And now I am different. 